0: Welcome to Recipe for Success. Um, Anyone that's tuning in this morning got to see my brand new addition to my podcast, which is an intro. I have a new video editor and she just created that for me. So that was kind of exciting. Um, Anyway, um, for those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Nancy Giacalone and this is Recipe for Success. This podcast was created because I was really noticing... um, that through my love of cooking, that I always was able to identify that there was always one special technique or ingredient that was really critical to the outcome of whatever it was I was trying to make. And I was was thinking about that. I realized that that really applied not only to cooking, but it applies to business and life in general as well. So today I'm thrilled to have my special guest, Nikki Fielding the Conscious Culture Fairy. Um, I have known Nikki for a little bit and I'm excited to have her on my podcast. So um, I'd like to introduce Nikki, allow her to tell you all a little bit about herself and her career history.
1: Nancy, thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here today and hello everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, My history, I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades. I like doing different things. So I am started off um, kind of bold in sales. I had looked into sales jobs graduating college, and most of them required some experience. So I thought I'm going to go get that experience and took a job selling Bell South door to door back in the days of like <laughs> landlines. And I think we had DSL internet back then, um, and was tremendously successful with it right away and really enjoyed it and learned just so much about sales and marketing and through my success and kind of really kind of making a name for myself in that environment i was ultimately brought on by the corporate environment so it was regional sales offices that were contracted through a broker who had the agreements with the bell south the verizon and they brought me on to support our bell south campaign and so Kind of quickly after college i found myself plucked out of this and as the point contact for my client contacts at Bell south and later at t were director vp level so it, it was a tremendous feather in my cap <laughs> to kind of move up that quickly and it was all instrumental of just being a go-getter with sales and saying what does it take to make it happen and how do i build those relationships um my role with that company was building high-performing sales teams and the onboarding and operational and training structure to support that. So a client I work with pretty much every major, telco, cable, wireless, voice over IP provider, they may hire us and say, we need 18 offices in these markets by the end of the year, hitting a $14 million target, go. <laughs> and my job was to start um, as a servant leader, start with proof of concept, selling it myself, bring on the first office and teach them the recruiting, onboarding, training, The way to grow and sustain. And then once we had a high performing office, they would become a training model. We'd bring everybody else up and learn to rapidly expand and hit those targets. And I developed a niche for it. They created Um, my own role within that company, which was new programs or pilot programs um, because of my success with doing that quickly. And it really matched, I told you, kind of the jack of all trades. I like a challenge. (laughs) Um, And built a name for myself that way, parlayed it into consulting and doing that for myself in business and eventually decided to follow my passion for wellness, which I know we'll focus a lot on here into the corporate wellness benefits space. And ultimately, um, to the Conscious Culture ferry and where I am today and where
0: I had the pleasure to meet you, Nancy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was a um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of, of your history. So I did want to, before we jump in, um, a couple of people did comment. Um, we my mother, uh, Judy said that um, she loved the intro. So that was good. Uh, Nidra Ali was, she said, I'm going to pop this on here for a second because she is actually my new video editor. She's the one that created that. And anybody looking for great video editing, she's amazing. I think she's in your neck of the woods, actually, uh, Nikki. She's in Florida. And uh, so, I'm looking for an editor. So, this is simplistic um, innovations. (laughs) I'm going to give her a shout out, and then uh, finally, we also had Amanda Villanueva said hello, Nikki and Nancy. Good to see your faces again. We saw uh, we saw Amanda at the U-powered symposium that we were all at um, just a brief time ago. So, anyway, I just wanted to um, especially give props to Nidra because she is really doing um, a fantastic job, and I'm loving working with her. So. Um, Okay, so conscious culture fairy, not your average title that you hear in the business world these days. So what exactly does that mean? And what's the meaning behind it? And how'd you choose it? Let's go. Let's go with that.
1: Okay, um, I love it. So I, you know, I'm really passionate about driving change, revolutionary change. And we have um, a lot of time to talk about that throughout this. So I chose the name because my life experiences have really required me to be a student of human consciousness, which became a passion and a hobby and later a career because that's what you do when you follow your passions and your purpose and um, light up the world. So I've had a unique opportunity through multiple near-death experiences and being put under anesthesia over 65 times in my life to really dig into consciousness. Um, I also think that it's a time that's calling for Conscious choices. So, we have allowed our culture and our planet to suffer by our need for convenience. And I get it, it's easy. I love hitting an Amazon button and having it there the next day, too. I'm like, what do you mean I have to wait two weeks? I know, <laughs> but, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? What is shipping? <laughs> um, but we're at a point where we need to inconvenience ourselves and make truly conscious choices in terms of where are we sourcing the things that we buy and the things that surround them that we take for granted and how can we make sure that the choices that we make are facilitating a planet that one is healthy and continues to be for future generations and that people have livable wages and livable working situations so we vote with our dollar that's the reality of capitalism and i wanted to really embody that concept to become pretty sick in in my opinion <laughs> um Chasing the almighty dollar or greed and power. And so I wanted to drive change. And as I mentioned, I'm a jack of all trades. I couldn't really pick one niche. So I just went with the broad culture so that I could float between it. And that brings me to the fairy part. Um, you hit the nail on the head You said, you're driving revolutionary change may seem harsh. Well, Anybody who spends time with me knows I'm not a particularly harsh person. <laughs> um, and so I figured what better way to do it than bring awareness to some really difficult conversations and difficult things to discuss with levity and humor and with a little bit of brightness. And I just like to embody that Tinkerbell essence when you come in and twirling and sprinkling pixie dust. And you're like, here, I, I really do want to remind everybody that you really can fly. All you have to do is believe.
0: <laughs> and I mean, it's really hard to... Um... Be angry or to be in a bad mood when you're looking at somebody with beautiful pink hair. I mean, seriously, yeah. it just it just lightens the mood. I think, um, and and in some ways, I think that's one thing that we don't do enough in our c- culture community is to bring a little bit of lightness into difficult conversations. Because if you start there it's just an easier transition. People are less on guard. They're less defensive. And oftentimes you can, you really can have a more meaningful conversation um, just by having that little bit of lightness and brightness um, in the the room.
1: Spot on, I I started public speaking at at 19 after an accident that put me in a wheelchair and I was speaking to um, both deans of universities who wanted to have a disability program and parents of students who are coming into program that had disabilities. And part of that, they taught me about um, the power of humor. So comedians do it and improv comedy. People can only go as high or as low. It's, it's the foil of emotions. So a comedian will interject something sad because the next joke will be such a hit and people just want to laugh. And so I look at it kind of in the reverse, which is we have a lot of really difficult, hard conversations and a difficult reality in the world that we're living in. But what better way to do it than bring a little bit of levity and lightness so that we can stay in that conversation and get to the point where we reach solutions. Otherwise, we might not be emotionally able to stay in in that heaviness for as long as it takes to reach the solution.
0: Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that I, I personally like to in, inject humor into some of the kind of pointed videos i do about the state of our industry is because if you can get people to laugh a little bit they're more likely to pay attention it's a very interesting phenomenon i've discovered that um again they let their guard down and for some reason the message seems to go in a little bit deeper and um i i personally have found that to be super effective so i love how you're doing it um i also really appreciated the fact that you liked the title because i always choose like the secret ingredient is what I derive out of a person. Like, what do you really bring to the table? And you do, I mean, revolutionary is a big part of everything you do. Um, And so on your homepage or your website, you wrote your state, your goal is to create a positive and revolutionary impact on the world through conscious collaborations. Um, Again, I think we're going to talk revolutionary. That word's going to come up, I think multiple times as we talk, because even though it sounds so bold which it needs to be it doesn't have to be abrasive and i think that that's what i think that's the beauty of what you do but so let's talk about conscious collaborations and i mean you're a businesswoman so how do you monetize that
1: yeah thank you i um I look at it. I am a businesswoman, and I have been in business in, in different capacities for myself and for others. And currently, I'm a small business with myself and an assistant. And so I looked at it, and so in order to serve and to really make a revolutionary difference, to back up my claim, I have to do that with others. I only have we only have the right so many skills and resources any one of us, but together we're really powerful. And I'm blessed and honored that I have um, built a really powerful network and. Throughout my career, um, maintaining, building and maintaining relationships is is just one of my gifts, and it's something that's very important to me. Um, And so as such, it opens up the opportunity to serve people in a much bigger way than I would be able to myself. And so I collaborate in almost everything that I do, and I do several things. So in terms of monetization, I do consulting on helping business leaders change their culture to make sure that they are embodying a conscious culture and a spirit of psychological safety where they really understand what is going on in their team's lives outside of the workplace that may be affecting their performance inside the workplace. You can't separate you can't separate a person and silo them. And I think we've had that expectation. And so I'm really passionate. It's affected me with my health journey and my mental health journey and being expected to just be 100% on in the workplace. And I have people who are kind and once I told them, but it was always scary to go say, hey, I have all of this going on. Um, so I'm passionate about bringing, again, with a little bit of fun and lightness, bringing that awareness. And I like to pair it with content management because I think that ultimately we're changing culture so that we can attract and retain the talent that will help us hit our goals and content's how we solve for that. I do those through collaboration with amazing digital marketers and filmmakers, um, sometimes other consultants. And then my huge passion is um, I'm a healer. I am an energy healer and I lead transformational retreats. I'm a meditation coach, a certified angel therapist. I won't run over all of my um, certifications, but I have a history of helping people develop on a personal level and really become the person that can achieve the goals that they want. And again, I do that in collaboration. I'm very studied in energy healing modalities, um, but I'm not as studied in earth healing modalities. So I may partner with somebody who is a master herbalist and um, certified Ayurveda and has lived in intentional spiritual communities and really practiced and embodied mindfulness and then I'll bring in my gifts as a meditation coach and studying the energy healing modality of it and the power of our mind to drive outcomes and health.
0: You are an amazing woman. Uh, <clears throat> that's all I have to say about that. Oh, it's uh, I you. mean, honestly, that's, um, um. I will speak to a couple things. I don't know, I have seen and I've heard you speak about your, your energy healing. And um, I do believe that healing can happen in so many ways and that we are, as humans are conditioned to think healing only happens at the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not true. I think healing starts here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can help people with that, I think that that's an amazing gift. I have seen um, your content creation and you create amazing content and um, it's hard to look away from your content. Um, and that is a a that is a, the highest uh, compliment I can give somebody because it draws you in. And when I say hard to look away, not like at a train wreck, like in a positive way, like, oh, I want to know more, you know, there it just, it just pulls you in. So I think that that's a, a really beautiful thing. Thank you so much. I'm getting all, all emotional, but thank you. <laughs> that means you me. <laughs> um, so, I, of course, we were introduced, um, I think, here on LinkedIn, actually, um, through our mutual good friend, Joel Daniels, who we both love. Um, and you both focus on the word revolution. I mean Joel has it in his business name. You use it multiple times um, and really have that in your business model. So I'd really like to know why that word in particular resonates with you so much. Yeah,
1: you know, I googled the definition of revolution because I have my own meaning of it, but um, and I think we get to define we get to define things ourselves. but the dictionary definition is a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system. I strongly disagree with the beginning part of that. There is nothing that I do by force. <laughs> Attract, don't force. <laughs> but I believe that we have to overthrow systems, our healthcare system, our insurance system, our big pharma, and really all of it, our legal system, our educational system, our systems do not serve us anymore. They were designed in post-Industrial Revolution time, so that's part of the revolution to me. That's when it was defined. And it's time for a new culture revolution where we're creating systems that work for a modern society and the challenges that the average person is facing today. Um, And if an overthrow of the government is required for that, then so be it because we elect our leaders they should be representing us. However, I am never a supporter of force or violence. I am a peaceful, (laughs) peaceful person. And so I look at the power of people coming together in peace, united and harmony. Like I'll ask people questions sometimes, You know, just something that came up was, gosh, like with with the COVID and and impact on small businesses, when is this going to change? And so, well, what if every single person in the country linked arms, smiled and said, no, thank you. We don't want your regulations. We're going to we're going to figure out a way that works for all of us collectively. That's true power and that kind of vote. And if you leaders don't agree with us, then please step aside and let us put leaders in power that do agree with us and do want to represent the majority. And so I tried to bring attention to thinking that way. I know it's a little bit kumbaya, um, but again, there's power in numbers. And I believe that we are infinitely powerful beings. And if we come together and choose that, that we can create a system that really does serve everybody. And so that's why I'm passionate about revolution.
0: So I agree 100% with you. And I I also agree that there is no need for violence or force or, or any of that with most of the things that we're talking about. Um, I, I have no desire to get into political situations because that's beyond my scope of understanding. Quite frankly, I mean, I have a, a vague understanding, but I'm no expert on that. But but the things that that we do see that that you know we all live with every day, like you say, education, mm-hmm. the current um, workforce situation, um, healthcare, the legal system, the it, it is all broken because it was all designed many years ago for a world we no longer live in and it has to come along with us and as you say there is such power in community and I personally have learned that myself um, over you know many years that whenever I join together with others the um, potential for change and the potential for true impact is so much greater than trying to do it on my own. Do we have somebody in our background?
1: I'm sorry. Yes. Somebody just walked in. Um,
0: oh, that's okay. The water. I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I, was, I, I wasn't sure if it was on, if it was like it had <laughs> popped into our, our feed or anything else. Um So one of the other things um, that I think resonates with me really strongly on what you're trying to do is um, your brand values, be authentic, be empathetic, be of service. And you have this in a different place. It's not actually under your values, but you do state it. And this is something I've said many times is be the change you want to see. Um, because it always starts with you. You can't wait for others to do it. So why are these values so important to you? And how do you use them to encourage your clients to embrace change as well?
1: I don't think that we can continue to exist without being authentic. I think that um, historically, especially in corporate culture, a lot of us were forced to show up as a way that really didn't represent us out of wanting to fit in and playing the part and what the expectations. So I think that we've all kind of realized how that led to burnout and um, and mental health issues. So being authentic, showing up as the truest version of ourselves, it's how you attract the people that you can serve the best. Be empathetic. Um, It's a tough time to be alive in this world today, and I think the more that we can have compassion and really extend that compassion to everybody else and put ourselves in other shoes, the better that we are. Um, Be of service. We're here to serve. That is a core philosophy of mine, and I think we can do so in big and small ways, but it needs to be something top of mind every day. Um, Be the change isn't my service, but it answers your second question. Why are they important to me? Because it's truly authentically who I am and what I believe in my heart of hearts. Um, how I inspire clients to embrace them is by being the change, by being the example. So I don't need to tell anybody else what their morals and values are. However, if I can show up in the world as a higher version of myself who is exemplifying those morals and values. It inspires people around you to step up and show up as the highest version of themselves. And and that's a really cool thing.
0: So you've mentioned this several times, um, servant leadership. What does that mean to you? And um, how can others embrace that as well?
1: Servant leadership to me is putting yourself in the other's shoes. So it's not saying I'm, I'm a leader and I have this team to support me and I want to take care of them and develop them. It's saying, have you done their job? How do you, how do you extend yourself and get in their shoes? And so that was something I've always done when I take on a new team is maybe there's a few different divisions within it. I go do every role myself. I take, depending on the complexity of the job, you know, anywhere from one to four weeks to do it hands-on myself so that I have a better, one, um, it inspires loyalty. People are really impressed and surprised and not many people take the time to understand their job in that. Two, it inspires creativity and conversations that may not happen if you didn't have the detailed understanding. So when there is a problem, I have the perspective if I've done the role myself of is this legitimate, is this a barrier that I experienced or is this perhaps a mindset thing and an excuse and kind of the blame and that's just a human nature, we all do it, um, gives you better understanding and then teaches the other person to be more creative and more solution oriented. So being a servant leader for me, it wasn't intentional and I started it before, long before I trained on servant leadership, which I did. Um, it started because I don't like drama. (laughs) And I would come in and be managing a team and people would point fingers at the other department and this problem and that problem. And I was like, how can we solve these problems? Because I believe people are inherently good, inherently or in a job that they have the right skill sets for and want to do a good job. And it's usually a lack of understanding or lack of support from leadership that is causing the issues and the drama. And that by truly getting into their heads and their role and living their experience, Most of those problems were able to go away, and then I got a lot less calls and less drama and less coaching opportunities. Again, be the change. Then people want to start emulating you and better understanding others' roles, and it has a trickle-down effect. And that was something that really benefited me in my career as a leader and a manager and just developed into a passion.
0: So let's circle all the way back to the beginning, because you were giving us your career history and talking about your sales journey and everything, uh, you know, where you started there but you also have a pretty strong background in technology. And so how do you, do you still leverage those tools? Did, um, has that helped you move forward? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, it's helped me in a few ways. So one, I've been fully remote, remote since 2004 and leading and responsible for teams um, indirectly, maybe 20 direct reports and up to 300 underneath that. So. I have awareness of tools that support a remote workforce that the average person doesn't have. Um, Zoom is great and lives are great, but if you can have a really engaging online platform where people can actually feel a little bit like they're in person and it be in a fun environment or amazing conference quality video, I I could really be using that right now. (laughs) I have it, it's in storage, but there's a conference phone that eliminates all background and it's a couple pounds. I travel with it. And you can have office quality technology at an inexpensive price point um, at your fingertips that allow you to um, really show up and engage with people in a remote and virtual virtual world. The other thing that my background in technology really taught me that I am super grateful for is, I mentioned I started when it was like landlines and long distance was a thing and DSL. People probably don't even know what these things are if they're younger. And I was in technology until it came to that point where um, voice over IP and video conferencing and fiber and satellite and wireless, all of the technologies, cybersecurity became a hot button. It's one of those things that taught me early on. I have to embrace constant change. It was very uncomfortable because I would be an expert and a thought leader and then I would be irrelevant (laughs) because a new product set would come along and a new needs. Um, but that skill set and that mentality is something all business leaders need to be taking regardless if you're in technology or any other field. The the pandemic pressed fast forward five to seven years on the use of technology and we all need to be one, educating ourselves and two, looking at our career wherever we are as how can I be set to pivot at any point in time? Because I don't know what the world's going to throw at me. And so technology kind of taught me to have that level of comfort with constant disruption and constant change that now is turning into um, a skill set for mentality in the times that we live in.
0: I like that. Um, I personally think that the minute that we stop um, evolving and learning and continuing to improve, we may as well just quit. Um, because we're going to become irrelevant very quickly. It Mm -hmm. it is, uh, especially in the healthcare industry, in the insurance, healthcare insurance benefits industry. I mean, I've been in it for a very long time and I can honestly tell you there's not a day goes by that I don't learn something new. And if I don't apply myself and there's something I don't fully understand, I'd better learn it. I better understand it. Um, It is a very dynamic industry. And speaking of that, how in the heck does the conscious culture fairy end up in the benefits industry?
1: Well, one, I just want to say how much I admire you. I see you setting the pace with your content and your education. I've certainly learned a lot from you and you're spot on. I was overwhelmed and in awe of just how much there is to learn in this space. (laughs) It it just never stops. And so, yes, it is. And I think that that's true in most industries now and not talked about necessarily enough is that, we must continue to constantly learn and just give ourselves grace that we're never going to know it all and we're
0: never going to know it all
1: there's always but the good thing is there's always other smart people in the room and smarter people than you so always someone yeah. to learn from
0: absolutely um,
1: I, I found myself in this due to my personal life experience and it being a passion so I, I told you i want to drive revolutionary change and so that was part of it is that our healthcare systems desperately need a change but i learned that not so much with the background and benefits and insurance but um with my own health journey, I had some chronic illness starting as a young child, like I missed over 30 days of school in second grade and would have fever spikes up to 108 and be rushed to the hospital and just odd health things going on that were kind of unexplainable, that were severe, sometimes life-threatening, that we couldn't really explain. Um, that kind of piggyback, at 19, I had a traumatic accident going off a rope swing at a rock quarry, landed on a cliff and shattered both my feet, and that really began a deep dive into the healthcare um almost amputated my left foot. I I developed compartmental syndrome. They gave me a medication that I had a severe reaction to um, that causes, it caused a C-diff infection, two chronic neurological pain conditions, a blood disorder, stage one kidney disease, liver enzymes as high cirrhosis. My body was failing. I I was dying. I had a blood clot in my splenic artery. And so through those surgeries, I was just so exposed to the world of insurance, big pharma, and healthcare. And I realized that it was a cycle. Some of the surgeries were not necessary. The way that I was treated was inhumane, oftentimes. The amount of money um, as a single woman supporting myself, it was staggering to have to keep up with those bills. And I saw the fraud and the scam firsthand. It's, you know, you've had five surgeries in a year and you're not working. And I would call and say that surgery wasn't in January. I specifically had it in November and missed Christmas with all of my loved ones because I had hit my maximum out of pocket and I have all the proof in the world from the surgery center, the doctor, the anesthesiologist, everybody saying that that date is October. And when confronted with the proof, I was told, you're welcome to sue us, otherwise you owe owe the money. And I didn't have the resources to sue. That one was Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and I will say their name because anybody who employs people who will say that to somebody in the situation that I was in deserves to be called out. Um, Shame on them. And I had things like that happen over and over again where just, I've mentioned online, I'm insatiably curious. I asked a lot of questions, and I was my own patient advocate most of the time. So I really learned this, and it was interesting in that I had so many wonderful doctors. I mean, they would feel like we have to study you for the mindset piece of it and your ability to heal yourself and your ability to speak healing into existence and i realized something odd was going on when you know our healthcare system better better than i do um i knew something odd was going on when doctors would pull their students in and i would have like a you know a world-renowned doctor and three med students sit in a room with me for an hour taking notes and that time i was like that just pushed them back probably three weeks So this is so valuable. And they would be asking questions about mindset and healing and what do I do and how how do I focus on that? And became a kind of a collaboration with my doctors. And I look at it that one, it doesn't serve anybody. I became friends with a lot of those doctors and heard the reality of what it was doing to them to be in that with the insurance system. If it's not serving patients and it's not serving doctors who are doing the work it's only serving the shareholders and that's just not right. So I wanted to lend my talents to help be a voice for change. I I do want to hit one of the many positives that you have to kind of look at your life experience. It was not easy going through those surgeries and multiple near-death experiences, but um, it taught me to be a student of human consciousness when you're altering your consciousness and waking up in surgeries. And I took so much from that. um, And you get to keep those gifts when you kind of start to transition over to the other side or have faced death and and started to cross over and just realize you're not breathing. And I just remember being like, I'm hooked to a machine. They're going to save me. And if they don't, I don't care. I've never felt more peace in my life than this moment of knowing I'm not breathing and that I'm slipping away. It's the most peaceful feeling ever. And so I'm grateful that I know that there is nothing to fear in death. So it lends me the ability to be, quite brave and bold in life. If you're not afraid of death, what what is there
0: to be afraid of? Well, that is so true. And that is um, such a powerful story. And I'm so glad that you had the um, fortitude and the willpower to be your own advocate. And, you know, we talked about the trying to be the change and to do it in a peaceful and collective way. And I think that unfortunately, we're in a time where we all have to be our own advocates. I'd like to get to the point where we don't have to be, but right now that's what's required of us to, to um, create the revolutionary change that's necessary in our healthcare system because so many of the independent provider, well, they're not independent anymore. So many of the physicians are now tied to hospital systems. They have no control over their own schedules. They have no control from, in many cases, over their own ability to treat patients. They are given a very small time window and they are moving them through the system as fast as they can. And as a result of that, um, we are seeing unnecessary surgeries, overprescribed, um, underprescribed, just not really getting to the root of actually what's going on with a person. And so if you're not invested in your own healthcare journey right now, you open yourself up to the potential for bad things. And I hate to have to say that because I don't want to come across in a negative way, but it is what is required of us right now if we want to change and turn this ship around and not have the same results. We don't want to have somebody that's going into medical bankruptcy because they had a life-saving surgery. It's unnecessary. It's 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 wrong. And so we we all have to band together. We have to do hard things sometimes like face our doctor and say i don't understand why you're why you're recommending that to me or please explain that to me and when they look at you like you're like you're a little bit crazy you just have to hold your ground and say i need to understand
1: and seek a second opinion if somebody's making you feel crazy ask yourself remove this I'm very scared about my health and you're an expert because you have a piece of paper that says you're an expert and put it on a human level and say, if there was another conversation where you have a question and somebody won't answer it directly, I wouldn't trust that person. And so, I'm mm-hmm. going to talk to somebody else. If you refuse to answer my questions, do you have my best interests at heart. Right. And again, I don't want to place blame on people because I think it's a system and it's a programmed way of thinking. That is it is. It, but it's broken and it's flawed. And if you're not, I agree. And I don't think it's negative for us to have this conversation. I think, like I said, with consciousness, like I made the choice to sell my car because I was only driving at 5,000 miles a year. And I said, can I inconvenience myself a little bit? Do I really need that? And there's so much pollution and let me try. And if I hate it, I'll get another one. (laughs) But um, we have to inconvenience ourselves a little bit, stretch outside of our comfort zone. And more than anything, to your point, take accountability. And that's not a negative. It's a, we want to fix this. Take some accountability into your personal choices and take your health and your livelihood and your family's future into your own hands. Isn't that amazing?
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Okay, so since we're on the topic of accountability and healthcare and all that other good stuff, you recently won a very nice award at the U Powered Symposium. You were named the notable newcomer, which I think is so cool because you technically aren't in our industry. But you have made yourself an integral part of the conversation and helping, can I say it, raise the consciousness of, um, of the professionals, the industry, and hopefully the business leaders that, that you work with as well. So how did that feel to be out of all that, all those people that were there to be recognized in that way?
1: It felt amazing. I was beyond shocked. I went out to dinner with um, your your co-host at the awards and thank you for presenting it um, Friday night. And I was like, just, you know, we had a fun little dinner and I was like, this you won. <laughs> I was like, if not you, then this person. Like, it never crossed my awareness because like you said, I'm not really in the industry. So I didn't even think that it was a possibility, but I'm beyond honored and humbled and grateful that it did happen. Um, As a reformed and recovering perfectionist, I can be very hard on myself and and in business for yourself, sometimes I forget to stop and celebrate every little win that keeps you motivated to get to the point where you're hitting your big goals. And I've kind of fallen into that routine of just being super hard on myself about not having achieved some really big goals that I have that honestly are going to take longer than the amount of time I gave myself. Um, So that was a moment to really sit back, celebrate, and just express gratitude that there is value for me playing an adjacent role in this industry. It's voted by the peers. And again, I was just beyond kind of grateful, humbled, and honored to be awarded that and to take the moment to kind of say, all right, let's celebrate this. And it's always nice to know that what you're doing makes an impact for people. And that was kind of a reminder for me. So it was an amazing experience. I'm truly grateful for.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Um, I think it's, I think it's really indicative of the fact that, the change that's required is so big that it requires many of us to make it. Mm-hmm. And it requires not just the traditional players. It requires people like you that can that can bring that can shed a light on it from, hey, I'm not directly involved in this, but I can see how it's impacted my life. I can see how it impacts employers that I've had the opportunity to work with. I can see how it impacts advisors who are trying to do the right thing. I can see how it affects physicians that are even trying to do the right thing. Um, there's many of them as well. So um, oh we have a we have a lovely comment from our good friend Callie. Uh, it says Nikki, your energy is beautiful and helps us all raise our vibration. That alone helps the industry tremendously. And I guess that's my point is that that we have to throw out our preconceived ideas of who can make a difference and what can make a difference, and be open to, hey, if you've got something valuable, we we welcome you with with open arms. So um, I celebrate what you are doing for everybody that is in our industry because it is it is a very necessary. Um, I'll use Kelly's word, vibration energy that you bring that you bring to us, and I think it's it's wonderful. Okay. So now we have made it to the five burning questions. Every, every guest has a dreaded section. They're like, oh, she's going to put me in the hot seat. And we always kick it off with, what is your favorite food in the world and can you cook it?
1: Uh, this was the hardest question. I, <laughs> I can't pick just one. So I will say I'm currently mostly vegan and gluten-free, very plant-based, but not not entirely vegan. Um, but some of my favorite food is seafood. I still do make some exceptions for seafood, mostly sushi. Um, my favorite food historically was, it, I've always been a simple and clean eater. So, king crabs was just such a special thing, and I can certainly cook it, it's steaming it. Um, I also used to really love like a traditional seafood, Chiappino with like a homemade seafood stock. And yes, I can cook it. I grew up in Georgia. They don't let you leave until you know how to feed a crowd. Like you gotta represent, <laughs> you gotta be able to bless people's hearts and feed an empty stomach. So um, yes, we used to make that for Christmas Eve dinner for my family. We would always kind of make a really special meal and that has a warm place in my heart with kind of, and my brother's are fisherman. So we would often have like fresh fish that we caught ourselves and we had a beach house and we would get the scallops. So really fresh seafood and a stock. Um, currently as a vegan i eat a lot of curries like chickpea curry and um yes i i, I love to cook I, I do it several times a week so um if i don't know how to cook it i'm still willing to give it a shot and there's only one way to learn
0: <laughs> that is 100 right so i will take exception to the king crab if you have not had dungeness crab which is a pacific coast they're they're very different. King crab is mm-hmm. much richer, but Dungeness is beautiful. I was getting into an argument with somebody on LinkedIn, and they were talking about oh, I think it was Eric Silverman. He's trying to to extol the virtues of blue crab, and I'm like, blue crab's good, but come on. So, but I do love all forms of seafood.
1: Yeah, Dungeness is amazing, and the stone crab when it's in season as well. Yes. Um, Blue crab I like to stuff, like I used to do, like we'd catch fresh fish and we'd throw the blue yeah. crab traps and 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 it's excellent like with a stuff blue crab stuffed fish, but it's not my favorite.
0: Yeah, honestly. and it's and it's good in crab cakes, or I should say oh, it's yeah. good in crab cakes. Okay. <laughs> so what's the one character trait that you admire most in other people and why?
1: Integrity. Um, why is in the world of social media, I think it is um, easy to show up as the version of yourself that is popular and that is making waves and is getting clicks and views and monetizing um and i think more and more people are embracing that authentic change and it's been beautiful to see that shift on social media however it's interesting when you see somebody on social media does that translate into all of their morals and values and their personal relationships and that to me defines integrity it's over time it's really difficult to be true to yourself and to come through on your word in the world that we live in. We all fall short of it, so I don't have that expectation of anyone else. I can't live it, so certainly not one to judge, but that's what I admire the most is there's people who you just look at and say, you know what, I've known them for this period of time and they have always done the things that they said they do or owned it when they're unable to do so because we all fall short of it at times.
0: I love that. So if you were to flip the mirror on yourself and you look at yourself, what's the character trait you're most proud of in yourself and why?
1: Empathy. Um, I've experienced a lot in my life that truly like the most beautiful highs and, and really low lows, like, you know, sadistic level trauma and being raised in a beautiful family on a horse farm with a pony in my backyard, you know, just different things being doing really well financially having extreme hardships financially having amazing health and being one of the healthiest people out there and nearly being dead related to my health so it's that dichotomy that's allowed me to relate to so many people and that is probably what I'm most proud of is that there isn't I'm able to show up in the world and extend that grace of you know what every person out there is doing the best they can with what they have in this moment and only hurt people hurt people and when you meet them with love it does inspire a triple down effect where people cry together and heal each other and so i'm I'm really proud of that trait in myself and grateful for what you put out in the world you get back tenfold so I am just met with so much love and it overwhelms me at times with gratitude
0: so since we've talked about your health journey and we've talked about energy healing and things that maybe not everyone is familiar with, I'm certainly not familiar with all of it as well, but what's the most unusual healing method you employed with success? Let's put it that way.
1: Energy healing. So energy healing, um, I don't wanna get too in the weeds on it right now. It is channeling universal light source energy, but I would break it down to a simpler explanation is the power of mind, intention, belief, and prayer. And so I intuitively knew and had to prove to myself over and over again. I was told I'd never walk again at 19 years old. And I had been an athlete growing up um, and an avid, like, outdoor activity person. I was like, I can't live a life as somebody who did dance and gymnastics and yoga and Pilates and horseback riding and swimming and <laughs> snow skiing, water skiing. I can't imagine a life. Um, where I don't need to be in a wheelchair, but I just, my feet are so hurt that I can't. You know what I mean? Like if I had right. been confined to a wheelchair, I would have just made the best of it and become a wheelchair athlete. But I was like, I don't want to take that. Like, why should just my feet being broken define my ability to walk? And so I just told them, I said, I don't accept that. It's not mine. And I fired a couple doctors until I got to one who said, all right, heck yeah, we're doing this. Because <laughs> they were just like, I'm sorry, that's the best you can do. Right. Um, and so that power of my mind taught me firsthand that when we choose healing and believe with all our heart and then open ourselves up to all of the different things, dietary, movement, all of the tools that exist, we can heal ourselves. Combined with energy healing, trauma, we live in a society that doesn't celebrate our ability to release trauma. And so we think of it often as like, what's going on in the Ukraine? Of course, that's traumatic. But at the end of the day, we have micro traumas every day. The way that you release emotion is through movement or crying. You have to feel it and then let it out of your body. And unfortunately, we got to a point where, well, it's not acceptable to cry in public. It's not acceptable to cry at work. Keep yourself together. Keep a smile. Shove it down. That gets stored in the body. Those emotions, that is the definition of trauma. It's emotion stored and stuck in the body. And energy healing is a tool that allows you to release that emotion so that you can be yourself. When you have that lightness, you can call in more things that support you, like the fortitude to make positive lifestyle and habit changes. So you might not be capable with where you're at of developing a really robust workout routine because you have so much heaviness and stored emotion that is blocking you from, it takes some motivation. It takes some get up and go and like I'm gonna create a habit. And so that's what I see with energy healing in myself, doing it on myself, then pursuing other mentors and energy healers to work on my behalf, clear things in my body that were so stuck from early childhood that it was slowly making me die and just allowed without really any effort on my end just freed up space and then i was like yeah i got this i can change that habit i can make that that thing a task um so that for me has been the most unusual that had tremendous results it doesn't replace diet and exercise and all of those things Um, but in combination with a positive lifestyle it can really open up healing that is is what people would call impossible. I was nearly dead a year ago. I was 20 pounds less than I am. And you've seen I'm quite a petite woman. So that was an yeah. unhealthy situation to be in. I was just under 90 pounds. And a lot of those conditions have come to a head affecting the, the blood disorder at iron overload. Your iron levels should be, um, ideally they want to see in like max 45% of your blood. Mine was at 90% of my blood. It was toxic oh, and poisoning my brain and all of my organs. Um, and through the power of a holistic doctor, acupuncture, I, I pursued multiple modalities, but I know for a fact that without the energy healing, I wouldn't have had the energy. I, I was nearly dead, um, having trouble getting out of bed and malabsorption, not taking on any calories. So without the energy healing, clearing a little bit of space for me to have the strength and fortitude to go out and do the exercise and get the treatments that I needed, I don't know that I would be here.
0: That's so interesting. On a- this is kind of related to what you said, but it's something I read recently and it really impacted me is that extreme independence is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Challenging, right? <laughs> I don't like that one, but I've really, that's been, that's been in my head a lot. Um, okay. On a lighter note, what is a secret, what is one of your secret talents or something people would be surprised to learn about?
1: I won't say that I'm a good driver because that's probably (laughs) not true. but (laughs) I will say that again, I'm kind of a go-getter and I've always been a little bit of a say yes to life. Like I've like gone to Europe on less than two weeks notice multiple times. Like just when an amazing opportunity comes, I'm like, how do you say yes? Yeah. And so the driving thing's kind of funny. Like I grew up and had a tractor with a front end loader. I drove a steamroller once. I, somebody offered to teach me to drive a semi. I didn't, I was 16. I didn't even know how to drive a five speed, but I got in there and, managed to somewhat drive a 10 speed. we were in a parking lot, so with nobody in it. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a secret talent. And I would say outside of the funny of just being able to drive really random, very large vehicles is, um, just the mentality oh, behind Lord, it. Lord, I think Lord, the secret Lord, talent Lord. is that I'm willing to say yes to a lot of things and I'm willing to make a fool out of myself and be a beginner. And that has opened up tremendous doors and opportunities for me.
0: I love it. Okay. Last question. So, um, sometimes I mix these up and I was thinking, well, I sometimes I'll ask people what their favorite color is and if it resonates, but clearly we do not need to ask you that question. Everyone can see the pink is your color, whether it's your favorite or not, it is definitely your color. So if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why?
1: Well, this was another tough one. You know, fairies are keepers of the natural kingdom. So I have such an affinity for animals and plants. Um, but I went with the old dog, I think, what better than being loyal, happy? You everybody loves a puppy. and if you're a dog that's lucky enough to be in the right household, you spend your time, you're like, well, I guess I'm gonna sleep and then I'm gonna eat and then I'm gonna play. <laughs> and I would love nothing more than to live a life and be loved on where I have yes. loved on constantly and be like, okay, I'm going to sleep now, and then I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to play, and then I'll do that all over again.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? That is a great answer, because no one's given me that answer before, but okay. I mean, really, the life of a dog is 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 pretty blessed if they're living in a, in a good environment. Nikki, this was just such a delight to have you on. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your journey, um, both career-wise, health-wise. I know that's a lot of personal things, and I really do appreciate you sharing that. If anyone wants to get in touch with you to learn more about um, energy healing, coaching, anything else, what would be the best way for them to reach you?
1: LinkedIn is excellent. So it's Nikki Fielding. um, I believe it will be tagged in here or my website www.consciousculturefairy.com has a link to my calendar where you could book an introductory call.
0: Awesome. Thank you
1: so much for having me today.
0: Oh, it was just an absolute delight. So thank you for joining us. And I will see everyone uh, not next week, but it'll be two weeks from today. So have a great day. Bye.